This is Pastoring Out Loud, a podcast from Bethlehem Baptist Church's South Campus in Lakeville, Minnesota. Are you interested in learning more about our church? Go to Bethlehem.church forward slash location forward slash south dash campus. Dave, how are things going at your house? Good. Thanks. What are you referring to? (laughs) Fair. Uh, No, not how is your family doing, but how is uh, remodeling and getting your house... uh, up to ship shape in the way that you like it going. Any big projects going on? Yeah, it feels like it's just been a bunch of them since we moved in. Uh, Phil Nelson is going to help us uh, paint the outside of it here this coming Saturday. I don't know when it'll be when this podcast is released, probably last Saturday when this podcast <laughs> is released. Um, we're a little we're, behind, maybe. And then we're trying to trying to get some some dirt into level out some places around our yard so you know there's it's a house so there's always something to do what what color are you painting your house we are painting it black with uh, white accents or uh, orange accents or what's your favorite team like you're a you're you're a you're a um, Packers guy I am so why not yellow Black and yellow? No. Uh, green and yellow? No. Because my wife makes our decisions okay. when it comes to <laughs> exterior paint. Same for ours. <laughs> she, right. uh, we tediously painted during COVID the exterior of our house. Very nice uh, gray blue. So it looks super different. Well, we're not talking about painting the outside of the house. <laughs> we're talking about the cleansing of the inside of the house today. Right, Dave? What a segue. <laughs> That's great. Yes. We're talking about about. baptism. Baptism, the outer action, the outward action that uh, reveals um, something that inwardly has changed. Mm -hmm. So in this series now, this is the third of, uh, I think, five that we're going to do, just talking about the doctrine of the church. So here we are. We're at Bethlehem Baptist Church. So why, uh, why do we have Baptist in our name? What is it that we see in the New Testament that particularly leads us to say, hey, um, baptism is for a particular group of people, namely those that have already believed and made a profession of faith? What, what kind of stuff do we see in the New Testament that leads us to say that? Yeah, well, I think that there's uh, the, the main place I like to go to make this argument uh, most clearly is in the book of Acts. We kind of get to see the church on the move and, and how it's expanding and, and as the gospels preach what happens. So if you start kind of in Acts chapter 2 verses 38 to 40, you, you get this phrase, repent and be baptized all of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. So you see repentance, so turning from our sins to Jesus linked really closely with baptism and and so so you know sometimes people would see that and say well see well baptism is is part of the salvation uh, for sins which uh, we don't believe and the reason we don't believe that is because we see places like acts 319 where it says repent therefore and turn back that your sins may be blotted out or acts 1730 where it says the times of ignorance god overlooked but now he commands all people everywhere to repent and so you can imagine in the preaching of the gospel, if baptism was necessary for salvation, uh, we would see that everywhere. But here we see chapter 2 linked very closely, but then we see a couple other times in Acts where just repentance is talked about. And so what we'd want to say as Baptists 
as we look at the New Testament, is that uh, while repentance and baptism are very closely linked, they're not the same thing. And the way we would argue, think both you and I, Daniel, is that the New Testament in the New Testament they wouldn't have had a category for an unbaptized believer because you heard the word of God, you you confessed it, and then you you uh, you pronounced yourself a Christian with baptism. So I would go to places like Acts eight twelve, where we just see this this close link over and over again. But when they believed Philip as he preached the good news about the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus Christ, so they believed, they were baptized, both men and women. Or Acts 8.35-38, to 38. Philip opened his mouth and beginning with this scripture, he told them the good news about Jesus. And as they were going along the road, they came to some water and the eunuch says, this is that story of the Ethiopian eunuch, See, here is water. What prevents me from being baptized? So what's he responding to there? He's responding to the good news about Jesus from Isaiah or Acts 16, 14 to 15. One who heard us was a woman named Lydia from the city of Thyatira, a seller of purple goods who was a worshiper of God. The Lord opened her heart to pay attention to what was said by Paul and after she was baptized and her whole household as well. So there, you can just keep going. Um, Acts 16, 30 to 33, we see the same thing. Acts 18, 8, we see the same thing. So we see this pattern in Acts of people hearing the word, believing the word, their hearts open to the word. And as that happens, then they, they follow it up with baptism, which shows what has just happened in the repentance. So repentance and baptism closely linked. Every believer in the New Testament would have been baptized, I think, almost immediately after repentance, and yet they are separate because we see repentance without baptism in the preaching of the gospel. Yeah, you certainly see some things in regards to like, okay, baptism, outer sign of an inward reality. Mm -hmm. Um, And you see, uh, interestingly, several times in the New Testament, you know, uh, people get baptized, and they're not right away behaving like mm-hmm. a uh, like a fully sanctified, uh, you know, uh, rock star Christian. So you go to like um, Acts, I think it is chapter um, eight, where Simon the magician <laughs> is convinced by the preaching of the gospel. He becomes baptized, but then right afterwards. He wants the power to confer the Holy Spirit onto others. Mm-hmm. Um, and he gets rebuked yeah. and prayed for, like, we don't want, like, like you're in mortal danger over this. So it's not as though, um, I think sometimes what happens is, is baptism and then church membership is thought of in modern circles as steps along a maturity spectrum. Right, like, right. All right, once you've arrived at a certain spot, get baptized. Mm-hmm. And then once you've arrived at a certain spot in your maturity, become a church member. Mm-hmm. Um, and we just don't see that sort of thing in the New Testament, even like the Corinthian church, yep. which is wildly immature, just like loads upon loads of sin. Paul's got a category for them as baptized yet immature yep. believers that are members of this one church in Corinth, mm-hmm. uh, members of one another. And um, so I don't, I don't see the New Testament particularly like laying out, um, here's these steps on maturity, and yet it's distinct. Mm-hmm. Baptism is mm-hmm. distinct from mm-hmm. the act of believing and repenting. Mm-hmm. So when we talk about baptism, what 
are we, as Baptists, what do we think is actually happening? So outward sign of an inward reality, right? Mm-hmm. So we, we believe that somebody that has put their faith in Christ, that they can only do so if God grants them that grace, we're Calvinists. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's the gift of God, not your own doing, mm-hmm. lest anyone should boast. And what's that gift? Faith mm-hmm. in Ephesians 2.8. Mm-hmm. Like, clear as day. So, okay, inward reality, God has done something, outward sign. And then do we say that that sign actually, like, does something? Does getting baptized do something spiritually to the person being baptized? Yeah, I think so. Um, you know, we talked about it a few weeks ago in First Peter 3, um, where it says it, it, gives the, it gives that strange story about Noah. And then it says, Baptism, which corresponds to this, now saves you, not as a removal of dirt from the body, but as an appeal to God for a good conscience through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And so there is this category in the New Testament that we... Uh, you know, sometimes as people who love justification by faith alone, um, we forget about this, this reality in the New Testament that would say we are saved, justified once for all, but we're being saved. We're, we're being saved unto glorification. And I, I think 1 Peter 3 is, is talking about uh, both of the, the things you just kind of referred to. So on the one hand, it's an appeal for a good conscience. So we're saying from our hearts what has already happened and we're obeying this command to be baptized that we see that close link in Acts. But it's also saving us in that it is this this act of obedience where I, I think there's real sanctifying grace that will then continue to, to work out in our lives as we have, like you always say, you know, buried with him in his death raised with him to new life, we're, we're actually uh, entering in to the baptism in Luke 12 that Jesus said he was going to be baptized with, his death and resurrection. And so I think, I think that there is um, what Calvin uh, would call a, a sign and a seal aspect to this, the, the ordinances or the sacraments, whatever you want to call them. Uh, the sign being, man, here's the, here's the outward proclamation or sign of what's happened inwardly, but also the seal that the Holy Spirit is in that act of obedience, actually working, sanctifying in the hearts of the believers, especially, um, you know, as we're doing this gathered together as a family. This is, this is a family thing we're doing. We're saying with baptism, hey, welcome to the family. We praise God with you and we want to enter into this with you. So what about baptism and membership? So you have all been baptized, not into Paul, not into anybody else's name, but into Christ, and you are members one of another of Christ's body. So we get these like striking analogies and illustrations in the scriptures, and yet um, like there in the Corinthian, that's like being in the, in the letters to the Corinthians, that's being specifically applied to a local church mm-hmm. I mean there's true reality is bigger picture mm-hmm. um, about that but as far as the like uh, you know can the um, can this body part say to this body part I have no need of you like Paul mm-hmm. says in first Corinthians 12 uh, well that just in reality can't apply to you and I sitting in this church in Lakeville Minnesota 
it can't apply in any way to a believer on the other side of the world. Right. Like there's not right. uh, any practical way. So right. these illustrations are targeted at local assemblies. So what would you say the relationship is between baptism and just membership broadly, maybe not membership particularly as we practice it here just yet, but just broadly conceived membership in a local church? What is what is the relationship there? Yeah, well, I'd, you know, I'd encourage people to go back and listen to the last podcast where we, we <laughs> talked about the church sums. You know, we certainly when you're baptized into Christ, you are baptized into uh, the church universal in some regard, you know, that, that we're all going to be around the throne one day is a beautiful thing. And yet last time we talked about how the way we see that worked out in the New Testament is local expressions of that global church that have local leadership and elders and then those local members have this responsibility to one another that you just talked about and all the one another's and all the different gifts that are given and so the way I'd love for our people to think about this is man if I'm if I'm ready to get baptized I'm ready to be a member I'm, I'm ready to to hop into this family if this is a welcome to the family moment then I'm ready to hop in. Now, like in any family, um, the the 13-year-old that hops into the family, there's different expectations and responsibilities and um, and, and just life than the, the 40-year-old that hops in. We're probably going to expect. Are there 13-year-olds that are members at Bethlehem, Dave? I don't know. Are there? Yes. Great. Are. <laughs> well, great. So, are. but, 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 but. But like in any family, we, we're going to expect the older to disciple the younger. But a 13-year-old that is uh, ready to say, man, I love Jesus. I want to be in this family. We'd say, hey, come on in. Uh, be a part of this family. And so that's one of the things I love most about our, I'll just say this is a, a, an unasked for shameless plug for Daniel. Uh, one of the things I love most is how many of our youth uh, get baptized, but then soon after that become members. And one thing that we've tried to do, even since I got here, uh, is that everyone who gets baptized at the South Campus the next week or so ought to get a letter in the mail encouraging them to uh, pursue membership if they're ready for it, because we want, we want our people to see those things as very closely linked, because we think the New Testament yeah. shows that yeah and I'd say the church history very closely yep. lines itself with that too everything from early church documents church fathers uh, other conceptions of baptism um, you know uh, where where infants receive the sign apart from the faith of the infant um, or even you know like a Roman Catholic would say like the sign actually creates faith which we believe is not true right and indeed a dangerous teaching mm-hmm. but all of those then conceive it as um, the baptism is the entrance into the community. That's right. It is the thing that brings them as a member right. into the community. Um, and the church has pretty universally believed that yeah. up until uh, relatively recently, the last few centuries. So, so let me ask you a question. Uh-oh. What a, yeah, that's right. Turning the tables here. Uh, what text would you go to because it just might be helpful for people why do we make the case that to to be a member to to join us in this community uh, baptism and membership being linked why do we say that's and we think that's for believers 
Why, why would we say that? Why would we say believer's baptism? Say versus infant baptism. What text would you go to? Um, so many. Um, <laughs> so Romans 6 just has so many different things mm-hmm. that point towards the recipient of baptism mm-hmm. is a believer. Mm-hmm. Like all over the place. So um, Romans 6 verse 3. Do you not know that all of us that have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death. We were buried therefore with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. So maybe fast forward just a little bit um, with this picture of being buried with him, raised with him in baptism, not just a like mm-hmm. a, a symbol only, mm-hmm. but something spiritually inwardly true. So verse 12 Mm-hmm. Let not sin, therefore, reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions. Do not present your members to sin uh, to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life, and your mm-hmm. members to mm-hmm. God as instruments for righteousness. So mm-hmm. here's this picture. Your baptism in Christ. Consider, reckon, understand that your baptism means that you're dead to sin and alive to God. Mm-hmm. Um, we're evangelicals. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we're mm-hmm. Protestant evangelicals. Um, there is no way in which I can look at this and say, like, you know, for someone who has not yet professed Christ, mm-hmm. that they can reckon and consider their baptism and think about it. Like, think past tense, your baptism happened, mm-hmm. therefore walk in newness of life, sanctify. They can't remember their baptism. Mm-hmm. So they need to remember it. Several other texts that I'd go to. I think First Peter three is a great one. It's an appeal to a good conscience. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's not the outward washing of the flesh. You made that point mm-hmm. in your in your um, sermon. So it's not just like a fleshly washing away or a bodily washing away, like like a, a cleansing of um, that kind of sin. Mm-hmm. Um, although we do think it pictures purification, right? Um, but it's an appeal. It's an inward appeal. God, cleanse my conscience. Right, right. And I don't think an infant um, can make that appeal. Mm-hmm. Now, there are others that would disagree with us. There are those, like I said, like Roman Catholics would say, um, when you're when the sign is placed upon the infant, um, that is God's gift to them that actually creates faith. Mm-hmm. And I just don't see that anywhere in the New Testament. Yeah, I don't good. see... Uh, that that sort of like baptism apart from the faith of the baptized mm-hmm. somehow creates faith mm-hmm. in them. I think it strengthens faith in the already believe in the one who's already believing. Amen. Um, yep. Just like I think communion does that too. Mm-hmm. Like strengthens faith in the one who's already believing, but it doesn't create faith. The wind blows where it wants to. Yep. John That's three. Right. That's right. And you can't know yep. where it's coming, where it's going. So are all those who are born of water right. and the Spirit. Right. So I think those are several texts, and there will be probably ten others if I had more time to think about it. Yeah, and the two other ones that helped me have helped me. You know, there's when you when you think of uh, some other people would say, well, no, uh, we're going to do this as infants. You know, whether you have the, the Catholic view that that's actually part of the gift of salvation. Or you have, uh, you know, a, a pedo baptist view, like a, a Presbyterian um, who, you know, that we have 
lots in common with many Presbyterians. Yeah. Uh, but they would say, well, this is this is how it's been. We see this continuity between the Old Testament and the New Testament, that there's always been rebel and remnant in the people of God. Uh, whereas I would I would go to places even like Jeremiah 31 yep. or Ezekiel 36, where it talks about this new covenant that there's a, there's a heart transplant and that all the people in the new covenant will know God, which I think points to this, this sweet reality of the new covenant that there is no longer rebel and remnant in the new covenant, but all are those who have the spirit, who have this heart transplant, who know God and whose sins are forgiven once for all in Jesus Christ, which, which, which goes back to your John, I think goes back to your John 3 reference, yep. born yep. of water and the spirit. I think that's what Ezekiel's getting at. Amen. As part of this series, we're giving away a book each week, just talking about various aspects of church doctrine. And this week, talking about baptism, especially in relationship to church membership, we're giving away a copy of Going Public, Why Baptism is Required for Church Membership, Dave, by uh, Bobby Jameson. So if you want to email me, daniel.fisbicky at bethlehem.church, the first person that emails me, I will leave a copy of the book for you at uh, South Campus's office. Anything else you'd say about this topic, Dave? Lots, but I think we could be, <laughs> we could be done for now. Next time we're going to be together, we're going to be talking about membership and uh, kind of taking the stopping spot, baptism, then into membership. Is local church membership, like that kind of formal, like I'm going to be a member, um, biblical, um, merely an act of wisdom? We'll talk about that when we're next together. Thanks for joining us. Pastoring Out Loud is a podcast of Bethlehem Baptist Church's South Campus in Lakeville, Minnesota. Are you a member at South Campus and there's a particular topic or scripture you'd like to see us discuss? Email the office at southoffice at bethlehem.church. <laughs>